Um, stay right at the podium. Thank you very much for coming here today. I really appreciate it. And my topic is pretty obvious. We've got so many words in my topic that I think Alistair ran out of space. So that little W hanging out at the end, that's a with. All right, in case you were kind of wondering. All right, now that we got past the acronyms, I'm gonna try to explain those acronyms, including, you know, I brought props, which is a little unusual for a talk like this. But I wanna truly, really drive home. If you remember nothing else from this presentation today, hopefully you'll have some idea what those acronyms mean. All right? Uh, even better, bottom right corner. Take a close look there. You don't need to wait for this to be online, or if you wanna look at it moments after I speak, it's all right there. Bitly, so bit.ly, whoops, can't roam too much, right? Um, forward slash NVMe on ESXi. It's that simple. It's the only URL you'll need. I imagine it'll go somewhere else at some point, but it's already published. So everything you're seeing here today is right there, including all the links. So that way you can look up at me rather than worrying about writing or taking any pictures. Awesome. You already saw the contact catalog, and actually, here's my screenshot. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, you've already read this because you registered and you showed up. So I'm going to skip right past it, but basically the last sentence I do want to highlight. SATA and SAS and 3.5-inch spinning drives are becoming a bit of a thing of the past as we move forward with NVMe. That's been the big acronym. I'm going to explain a little bit more about NVMe and what makes it uh, faster, better, and a little more expensive, but not as ridiculously expensive as it was three years ago when I first started blogging about it. Thank you, Alistair, for getting me here. And Alistair did a recent event, uh, Build Day, by the way. So this green link under his name, if you click on it, you'll get all kinds of information. For instance, if you're into different servers. This particular server I'm familiar with for part of my day job doing some vSAN work. Okay, so there's a little bit more about me. You're learning more than I've put anywhere on my website in the last seven years. This gets a little bit personal, but I figure it might connect with someone in the audience. Who else started with a Commodore product? There we go, there's, there's always around that pr proportion of every crowd I go to. That's three people in this group, that's awesome. Now I didn't have the, the money, and I was also earlier than the, Vict uh, the Commodore 64. So I don't know what you guys had, but that's where it started. And actually the Atari, that didn't really count, but that had a basic program. What I wanna get at with this screen is really Bullet three, playing with Flight Simulator, okay. Or writing batch files. I had really small hard drives, 20 meg spinning hard drive at that point, right? So I was like, how do you jam a bunch of games in here? There's no room. Oh, well, WinZip them, write a batch file, extract it to a RAM disk, run the game from there nice and fast. That kind of began my early 20-year-old something tinkering, speeding, actually, uh, yeah, not even a, still a late teenager then. That led to Bullet four doing more work with speeding up the Silicon Graphics server I was working on and having more interest in that in a career in IT rather than getting a PhD. Then finally, Bullet 5, IBM contractor, so I was at IBM 22 years. And I've only been at, at uh, VMware about 18, 19 months or so now. Okay, so that background just kind of shows you all of us have a totally different path. Probably none of us in the room, it looks anything like each other. Um, and that's okay. What I'm, the common thread here is the storage, the what do I do with, here we go, uh, the 90s, raising my family, my kids. Videos, how do you save all that? Do you use a NAS, do you use a RAID adapter? Is it bad when you use the RAID adapter that's built in the motherboard and it takes a weekend to rebuild if something goes blip? That was a journey that began for me like 12 years ago. As an IBMer doing server installs at work, but kind of tinkering with this stuff at night, and that finally became a bigger part of my career. I was doing more and more storage the last uh, eight, or, eight or nine years or so. Let's move into the actual storage deck. There you go. I told you I brought POPs, and I've gotten right into the acronym. So 
SATA you're used to for a long time. Think how long it's been on motherboards. IDE before it, but SATA pretty darn common for way over a decade, but not all that speedy. 540 megabytes per second, I'm gonna cover speeds and feeds and all that shortly. But this is just a picture I just took uh, four hours before my flight, and the one on the top is what you're used to. And this is the very first consumer Intel X25M SATA-based SSD. My second one, it was $800. I bricked the first one in two weeks of putting VMware, VMware Workstation on there and banging away with VMs, and I bricked it because too many writes. Anyone with me in the early days of SSDs, that's how it was. That's, it was rough, and that was meant for consumer use, not cloning VMs like crazy until you bricked it in two weeks. All right. The middle there, ah, that's where things get interesting. So we move into NVMe, and it has multiple form factors. I'm actually, I can hand some of this stuff around the room too, for those of you who want to see it. And yesterday I had a demo out there where I had the hardware out all afternoon, so I may have met some of you already. All right, I should use the clicker. This screen I like. Let's sit on that for just a moment. First of all, I've defined NVMe. What is it? Non-volatile memory express. Great, you got that acronym knocked off. What does that mean? Uh, a protocol built for flash from the beginning. It was never meant for rotating media. Okay, fine. What's the purple goo? The purple stuff there is controller latency. So SAS and SATA controllers all incur quite a penalty on performance. You need to buy an HBA in your server and your data center at work or at home. Uh, you have a, probably not a SAS drive, but more likely a SATA drive. That has an overhead. This graph just tries to show you NVMe is a bit of a game changer when it comes to that overhead. And you now have each NVMe device. Here's four of them on a board. Each of these shows up as a individual like RAID controller of one drive, one NVMe device. I got a screenshot of that coming up. But if you remember nothing else about the screen, it's just, yeah, it's faster, and here's why. It was written with flash storage in mind in the beginning. Booting from it was a little tricky. I wrote an article about that in the week the Samsung 950 uh, Pro came out, and I was the only thing on Google who had been crazy enough to put VMware and VMFS on there and throw VMs and realize, oh my gosh, this is five or six times faster than anything I've done for the last decade. I was pretty excited and started blogging about it like crazy. Here we go. There's the speeds. You're not going to remember this eye chart. That's okay. But SATA 3 architecturally is limited to 6 gigabit. SAS, okay, we went to 12. Some of you had newer servers in the last few years. You might have 12 in your SAS. That'll help your rebuild times a little bit. Um, still, 1550 megabytes per second, not as amazing as the ridiculous numbers you're seeing in the bottom left. So I tried to pick a re representative sample of more home lab focused stuff. So yes, I'm here right now wearing this shirt because I'm here as a blogger and an IT pro and I've been doing user event presentations for about seven years, long before I was a VMware employee. But my day job also has me dealing with storage all day long, talking to customers about HP, Dell, Supermicro, Lenovo, whatever brand they already have, I'm talking to them about ready nodes and how to size it and what kind of HBAs to put in there and what, dri uh, what drive speeds and interfaces. So, this has definitely been a crossover lately on my um, blogging and my day job. The bottom left corner, it is more expensive stuff. To get to 3,500 megabytes per second and 2,500 megabytes per second writes, that's a key thing there, right? That easily things like this can handle and the endurance problems are basically gone with Optane. Um, yeah, you're looking at probably double the cost per gigabyte. And when you put it in the data center, they jack the price up even more. So it's weird. Um, 2013, MacBooks had NVMe in there, you didn't even know it. 
it wasn't even M.2 standardized spec then on the interface, but it was, M it was NVMe, it you had NVMe for many years. It's been in your, a lot of your laptops probably already, you might not know it, and uh, the price is reasonable there. But when you bang away at writing at it all day, like you do in a data center with caching writes, that's where something like Optane, where something dramatically different comes in. We'll get into that. And it's getting more affordable even for a home lab to get something like this. So you can see Intel marketing this for Star Citizen Gaming. Okay, maybe a slightly faster start time for a game, but more interesting is sticking VMFS on something like this and letting your VMs really fly and bang away to not worry about your SQL database run you might want to do for a week or whatever. You're not going to hurt it, all right? So that's PCIe. Examples, we talked about SATA, you know, on the top, SAS, kind of funny, they blurred out the label, they don't want you to see the warranty or make a warrant, you know, read the serial number, but that's a, a Dell part there that happened to be showing. And finally, typically that's sold in a drive carrier with a little handle on the front, proprietary for Dell versus HP versus Supermicro versus anyone else. Um, you guys are used to that in the data center. Bottom right corner, you're not as used to in the data center. More consumery for M.2 or home labs like the ZND I was showing where you have a spot on the motherboard to put in M.2 way faster than anything you're gonna put on the SATA bus, right? And Q-depth is key, I'm talking fast and I'm giving you too much that you'll possibly remember, but Q-depth is, is a large part of the reason that SATA basically sucks for using for VMs. It's not great when you run it on a laptop that's older SATA drive, SSD or not. You run VMware Workstation, you try to boot two or three VMs at once, it's pretty painful. You put NVMe in there, whether it's M.2, U.2, or PCIe, doesn't matter. The speed is fantastic, and it's the same on all three of those. And it's the same driver and the same tools in ESXCLI, and same way it looks in the GUI. So there's not much to learn on the vSphere side. I'm trying to just kind of get you up to speed on what's going on on the hardware side. So bottom left is showing you the recent drive, the Samsung 960 EVO. Two terabyte is kind of the darling with the high ratings in Amazon that most people can sort of afford. Mm, still six, seven, I gotta got look at the current pricing, but it's up there, but that's a whole lot you can do with, you know, two terabytes of VMS. Obviously, you can go down to 512 or smaller size for more affordability. Let's move along to, oh, there we go, clicker. All right, what the heck is M.3? I'm gonna just say it's a pudgier M.2. So M.2 already held up, four of them here, gum sticks, you heard them referred to. M.3, little wider. You wouldn't fit four in here, you'd fit about three. I don't have a sample of that. There are adapters starting to ship to handle getting an M.3 in a motherboard that wasn't designed for it, like a stand-up where you just put in a PCI slot. In case you weren't aware of this, there's longer M.2. So that's called 22110. 110 being the number of millimeters. 2280 is the consumer stuff, much more common, okay? Supercapacitors here in yellow, that tends to mean, oh, enterprise. I don't mind if you yank the power cord out, I'm not gonna corrupt anything. You're not gonna find that in a consumer drive, generally. And then finally, M.2 is skinny and tiny and like laptop style. You turn around the back, all it is is dumb wire traces in this under $20 card. There's no speed decrement by putting your M.2 in some sort of adapter to get in, in your six-year-old motherboard of a Core i7 you have running in your basement or something. So just pointing out these little things that trip people up and uh, about NVMe. Booting from it, you need to turn on UEFI. So if you're thinking, oh, I do have a seven-year-old machine like in my home, like Paul just said. Yeah, it's not gonna have a UEFI bias, most likely, or your operating system wasn't installed with it on. You're not gonna be getting Windows or ESXi in UEFI mode installed on that old system. If you wanna boot from NVMe, um, you need a more recent vintage system. 
But if you just want a drive letter D on Windows, sure, stick a PCI card in your old system and you'll have incredible storage speeds, no matter what OS you have on there. Uh, whoops, I breezed right over ruler. Any of you see the Intel booth out in the solution center? That's a third of the people here, yeah. And you might have seen it last year, same hands. I saw it last year, it was the same one, only, okay. So it got your attention this year because they had it right in the front when you walked in the solutions area. So petabyte and one U, that's interesting, right? And it's all about heat and thermal dissipation. This lovely article, whoa, the top's cut off, all right. This lovely article in the bottom right, um, actually in the bottom left, you'll see tinkertry.com forward slash ruler. You can read all about it. Intel did a nice job with pictures of pretty much everything I'm presenting today, right? The form factors, what they look like, advantages and disadvantages. Great. Do you remember I told you NVMe looks like a storage controller, an adapter? So I'm on the adapters page of ESXi. I'm not I'm gonna stop right there. A little pop quiz. Who knows what interface I'm looking at? What do you call this client GUI we're looking at here? I gave you a hint already. It's got ESXi in the name. Close? Someone raise your hand and say it loud. Hmm? They used to call, let's see, ESXi host client with the full name, so sure. There you go. This won't hurt you? It's foam? Doesn't weigh down your airplane. All right, see, he asked a question. Those are always good, or he answered a question. Um, at the end, I'll have a few more little foam houses to give away. All right, NVMe SSD controller. It shows the drive. So what's that? That's an SM961. Oh, that's an OEM drive. Shoot, when you end up with one of those from eBay or whatever, you probably can't flash the firmware on it. So it got pulled out of a Dell laptop or something where you weren't meant to be monkey with it. Just point that out. So consumer drives, off the shelf, Optane, like this, a consumer packaging. This is tiny, only 32 gig. Yeah, there's tools for it. They're consumer, they're like Intel's consumer executable to run and look at its firmware and all that. Gets a little tricky when you put consumer stuff in enterprise products like VMware's vSphere ESXi 6.5 or 6.7. It'll look like this from this page, but when you get to the command line, a little different. And then installing VIVs, we'll talk about a little bit too. Do you have a question? Okay. All right. So, enough of that. That's what it looks like. And that's unique. You're not used to that. Um, you'll see AHCI in the top, but all my six SATA drives are attached to that controller there. You don't see each drive enumerated. It's unique for NVMe. Like, if I put this in, you'd see this four times, each of them enumerated separately. Why is that important? Any of you ever used pass-through at work or in a home lab. There's one head nodding. G, uh, VTD is one of the acronyms. VM Direct Path is another. Pass-through is another. I've used it. Only one other person. All right. Thro oh, a third of the crowd have used it. Can one of you just tell us uh, what did you use it for? GPU. There you go. Also, hard drive pass-through. So SATA probably. Yeah. So now NVMe, same deal. You can pass through an NVMe. In fact, you can pass each individually through. Why is that cool? Well, what if you had four copies of ESXi running nested, like a William Lamb uh, lab or a Alistair Cook automated lab? You stand up four nested copies. Each one you can pass through NVMe SSDs to. Pretty much full speed. They just see it as if, oh, I can VMFS format it or if I can use it for a test vSAN proof of concept. So I just, that's, you have two of these. Now you have a caching drive and capacity drive times eight. Four ESXi hosts, each getting two drives. That's called the drive group. So it's a quick little diversion into vSAN, but yeah, it's exciting that NVMe lets you pass through like that. Any motherboard, if, it, if, VMware, if VMware's product sees it in the host client, the ESXi host client, 
you're good to go, you're likely to be able to just go to the hardware page and pass it through to VMs or, or do stuff like you do with GPUs and SATA drives. Uh, yes, U.2 is not bad. This is fun. Um, I was looking for how tall is the U.2 drive preparing for my presentation today. And this is what Google gave me. How tall is U.2? I should have put U.2 in the quotes. So when you search for U.2, little tip, put it in quotes and you'll do better on the Googles. There you go. 3D Crosspoint. How many of you have heard of that? I won't say anything else until half of you. Great. Uh, I didn't go bothering with a nerdy technical description, but basically we've been using NAND since the days of this X25M, which is right around a decade ago when I first bought this. That's a long time we've been on NAND-based SSD solutions at work and at home, didn't matter. 3D Crosspoint is completely different the way it works, down to how it lays down the bits in the media. And there's some little things like you could fill it to 100%. It doesn't mind. It doesn't get slower when you're at 99% or 98%. Do that to a regular SSD or HDD, not so awesome to do to any drive. There's lots of little things and a whole lot more write endurance we talked about earlier. So Optane just happens to be when they brand it and put it in a box that they can ship to you, Optane calls it, I'm sorry, Intel calls it Optane. But Micron and Intel developed 3D Crosspoint, the technology that's powering those. All right, so acronym soup or names, more words to define, 512E. All right, it's probably what your HDD is, probably is, and it's widely compatible, including some eight terabyte drives. Now you start getting into 10 terabyte drives, bottom left corner, things get interesting. So for daily backups, Veeam, Nikivo, Bamboo, whatever you guys use, home lab or work, whatever, big drive, right? Gonna be slower, especially if it's on SATA. My God, rebuilding 10 terabytes of data takes a really long time over a SATA interface. Um, but anyhow, if you go on Amazon and you just search for like a HGST helium drive, HE10 it's called, helium filled instead of air, cool. You get the drive and you look at the part number and it says, sure, 10 terabytes. And if it's 512E, it's gonna work on anything. Any old operating system you slap in there, including 6.5, fine. But if they accidentally ship you a 4K in like they did with me about a month ago, I got an experiment where I immediately requested return authorization, make sure I can return it until September 10th. And then I went to town on it realizing that, yeah, they shipped me the wrong product. They pretended it was a 512E. No, 4KN is a different animal. It looked the same, one little digit different in the part number. Amazon just messed up the listing and the part partner needs to you know, return my money. But anyhow, the point there is, it just came out in 6.7. Any of you running 6.7 in a lab or at work or anywhere, you got only two, three hands and myself, four or five of us, okay. Um, New capability, those same people that just raised their hands. Were any of you aware of this thing about 4KN and that's a new feature that was just announced in 6.7? There's one head nodding. Okay, three people, that's cool. So you have some awareness of that. Um, so yeah, this green underline, awesome article. Jason Masai, a guy from Micron, works at uh, VMware now. Really deep dive, he gets into all this. So in 6.7, it was our first step to get 4KN drive supported. I'll say I'm fine, I'm working on looking at the performance right now, but it definitely performs differently than the 512Es I've been used to. And again, the reason you might buy a drive that big is they're under 400 bucks for 10 terabytes these days. So a great way to back up your entire home lab and whatever the heck else you got, videos and whatnot, right? Not your primary data store for VMFS, but for backups of VMs and physical machines, awesome. All right. So ESXi boot devices. I bet a lot of you guys have thought about this at work quite a bit. Uh, yeah, USB. 
Well, we all know what those look like, including the one I just brought to Alistair with my presentation. You can get very tiny ones, the 32 gig ESXi works well, and in a home lab, you're really unlikely to brick it. Uh, hundreds of these are out there uh, with servers, including many in my home lab. I've had no failures. You're not really writing to it much. ESXi just loads into RAM. So I see a lot of people in home labs thinking you're going to do better by installing it like on an expensive NVMe or on an SSD or uh, an Optane drive. Complete overkill because ESXi is just loading into RAM. Now it gets a little more interesting when you've got vSAN in the mix. So look at some of my bullets there. So you get USB would be a first choice home lab, easily cloned. I have an article that shows you how easily you can clone it, which I had to do because I only flew here with one of these and it was in my Gigabyte motherboard demo yesterday and I need to reuse it for Alistair to get this presentation. Like, oh, I'll clone it and image and save my ESXi, put the PowerPoint for today on there. When I get back to my hotel room, I can dump my ESXi image back on it without losing a heartbeat and no time lost. So yes, easy and versatile, but not so great for your data center. Many of my daytime phone call stories are SD cards, bullet number two failing. Two, three, four years, quite common. Probably half of my phone calls about vSync customers that are at three to seven-year-old gear looking for a refresh and going hyper-converged infrastructure, they almost all have SD card failure stories. They were never really an awesome boot uh, place for ESXi to live. So we move on to bullet three. Say to Dom, not exactly widely adopted, under 100 bucks. How many people actually use SATA-DOM and work? That's one hand in this. Okay, it gives you an idea. Not widely adopted, it would seem. Um, and then finally, and basically it takes up a SATA port. I like using all of my SATA ports for my six drives I have at home. I put in SATA-DOM and I lose one. Kind of a bummer. So the whole point is bullet four, kind of awesome. Now you go with M.2 drives that look like this. The connector's a little different, and it's actually SATA, nice low cost, under 200 bucks, even from Dell or whatever. You get two of them, and you get a RAID 1 mirror. Any of you have that deployed called a BOSS module from there's one person in the room? Is that in production, or just a test? Yep. Is that, an, is that a Dell BOSS module or something else? It is? Yep. Okay, so for those of you interested, there's a green link. The word BOSS is highlighted. You can check that out later. Quick time check. All right, we're good. Official, this is now a VMware guy writing at VMware.com. And he summarizes everything I just said in a nice table. So for those of you into researching carefully what your next server should look like, yeah, I would suggest you try to study this page. Cisco, HP, Dell, they all, they're all at a different part in their journey on moving from SD or micro SD over to M.2. Not everyone's there yet. So do your homework carefully when you create bills of materials is my take home message there. This gets tricky, but I have more props for you. So you're not going to memorize part numbers in 8654 or any of that, right? Um, U.2, that ridiculous name, uh, had a number like that that no one would use. So finally, they came up, the standards body came up with, OK, we'll finally name it. This is what it looks like on the back of the Optane drive. I had this running live. It gets a little warm. Yesterday, I had it on the table all day. It's got aluminum heat sink, and it's a little thicker than your laptop. So it's 2.5 inch. You're familiar with that. A little thicker, a little taller. And the connector's kind of goofy, a little different than SATA. And here's the thing, you also need power. So it's kind of weird on like a home machine. You're not really going to see this too common, certainly not a laptop. So U.2 is not the way to go, but a little kludgy. There's your U.2 if you have a motherboard that has one of those other end of the connector. Stuff you might not be used to. But the point here is, more generally, this is going to be sold with a drive carrier for hot swap abilities. So NVMe and hot swap. That's where U.2 form factor comes in. So I'm going to hand that around the room.
you have something to look at while I'm talking. There you go. Just hand it around. All right. How many of you have ever heard of RST? It's on Core i7 and commodity motherboards for a long time. Okay. How about RSTE? Anyone ever heard of that? Only one or two hands, yep. It's just more in their Xeon line, right? You'll find on a lower end machine, you go in the BIOS, it's like, oh, there's RSTE. Does it support ESXi? No. So that's a very common thing I get on my blog. People leave in a comment, oh, shoot, I thought I could do RAID on this motherboard. No, you generally need a controller with a decent Q depth, an HBA, and a PCIe slot, and it costs some real money, and it probably has battery backup cache and all to get decent performance out of a lot of SATA drives you pull together. That's what it takes. The built-in software hardware RAID that, Mike, uh, that Intel has had for many years, not going to cut it, and ESXi is not going to be booting from it either. So you're not going to be doing a VMFS partition out of it, making a RAID array, you're not going to be booting from it. VROC is something you're probably less likely to heard of. Think of that as a hardware key, a way to get that motherboard I had on the table yesterday to do a software RAID, kind of, again, the kind of the gamer enthusiast market, like this world. Um, yep. And again, not going to work with the SXI. Now, VMD, different story. So that same article I told you about core storage from Jason here at the bottom, very uh, second lot, bottom line there. Read the Jason Masai story about all of that to get into what Intel VMD is in volume management, including blinky lights when a drive fails when you have a whole bunch of these in a server or like the thing I'm handing around, the U.2 drive. Feel free to pull the cable off, put it back on, yep. All right. So looking at this, you can see where we're headed with all this. Um, if you have binoculars in the back row, excuse me, but short version, the top row shows an 11 terabyte drive from Micron. Whoa. Notice it is not SATA form factor. It's U.2. They want you to be able to rebuild it. If it's in an array, they want you to be able to pump data in and out of it, a giant 11 terabyte drive. You're going to sell that as an enterprise product. Thank goodness the packaging is U.2 rather than SATA. SATA is really holding you back going forward. And if you can find a price on something that's U.2, PCIe, M.2, one of those interfaces that gets you NVMe goodness on whatever you're buying next, you're doing a whole lot more future-proofing for yourself because it's pretty clear that's where the industry's headed with new products getting released. Uh, so this screen will kind of help you on that. I love that Micron just went and published that. It's awesome. All right, and this is kind of link stuff. I'm going to leave myself all of three minutes for Q&A. You can kind of click on this stuff later if you want. But um, the last article's been too popular, I would say. In other words, I'd rather VMware uh, incorporate some easier ways to check firmware levels on your NVMe devices. So it's kind of cool that finally I'm at, working at VMware and try to give some of that product feedback. Like, yeah. Too many, this article is too popular. This should be easier. There's a lot, a lot of people finding me in the Googles. It should be right in the product, maybe even in the GUI, not even at a command line. Um, so that's what I like to do is help people with those little hurdles for NVMe. If you search for it, you'll see a, you know, a lot of me out there, with, particularly with ESXi, because there is a bit of a learning curve. It's not hard, but it is new. You've been used to SATA or SAS for a long time, maybe your whole IT career is in the data center. So thank you. And now oh, that's just me. Yesterday, took a bunch of videos in 4K. If you're interested in some videos that have to do a little more with home labs and things you might actually own in a home lab, cool, check it out. I visited seven or eight booths and put them all in 4K video. Thank you, Luxor Hotel. I abused the heck out of your internet the last two nights. <laughs> all right. This really is my favorite part, three minutes. All right, who's got a question? Please feel free to ask a question. There's a microphone or, do they have a microphone or not? 
I'll repeat their questions. All right. Anybody? Question? Come on. Yes. Great question. So he has a HP product, some sort of home, like a high-end home lab, a hand-me-down gear, right? You want to look at the PCI bus. Does he have a slot this long? Is it 16 lanes? And it's also, if you Google the specs for that particular machine you quoted, is it PCI 3.0 by 16 lanes for full speed? That gives each of these four-lane devices full speed. If you look at this guy, that's um, four lanes, stubby, smaller. Okay. So the answer would be it's probably PCI 2 if it's six, seven years. How many years old is it, right? It'll work. So you'll get it. At, you might be able to format it at VMFS and use it in your home lab, but the speed might be halved. The top speed. Will you notice that and unless you're doing a synthetic benchmark? Probably not. Cloning a VM? Yeah. Cloning a Windows 10 VM is 20 gig, and it takes me about 12 seconds on a rip-roaring home lab with a full PCI spec. On something old, it's probably going to take twice that PC. Any other questions? One minute. Come on, foam house to give away. I don't want to fly home with it. No more questions. That means I covered everything. You understand all of it, and you memorized the whole thing. Yeah? All right. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, question, yes. And then iWarp. Yeah, he just went a little beyond and more into the enterprise, less so the blogger. Um, stay tuned. Our virtual, our, let's see. VMware's website's more likely to have articles about that than me, frankly. I don't tend to cover the enterprise as much, but. Yep. But yes, NVMe over Fabric. How do you connect this over a network of some sort? How do you get to this goodness from a remote machine? That was his question. Yep. Yeah, he was asking about the Intel ruler and how would you connect multiple machines to multiple hosts, right? Time's up. I got to clear my gear. We have live stream going and the next speaker up, so I got to pack up. You can feel free to walk back to the hotel with me, uh, which I got to check out of really soon. <laughs>